0: What happens when your city changes right in front of you? Or worse, seems to fall out from underneath you? For Bethlehem residents, the bankruptcy of Bethlehem Steel brought uncertainty, unease, and unknowns. The cacophony that Southsiders knew for decades as both nuisance and comfort was replaced by a deafening silence. With Steel gone, what would take its place? Bethlehem found an answer in gaming. Almost a generation after Steele's closure, Sands Casino opened its doors. But would the bet pay off? Hello, and welcome to the Gamble, a podcast about the Southsiders who live and work in Bethlehem. I'm today's host, Kevin Kerner. The Gamble is a companion podcast for the upcoming documentary film, Betting on Bethlehem, set for a May 2019 release. In this episode, I'm joined by Jack Silva. Jack is a Bethlehem native and currently works as assistant superintendent and chief academic officer of Bethlehem Area School District. I sat down with Jack to talk about his recollections of the city he loves as it shifted from steel to slots.
1: My name is Jack Silva. I am a lifelong resident of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. My current position is as assistant superintendent of the Bethlehem Area School District. Uh, but also, uh, another role as, uh, as a community member interested in the continued vitality of Bethlehem and the entire region. I'm also, um, uh, my doctorate is from Lehigh, so I'm glad to be joining a project that Lehigh's doing. And when I became aware of, um, a documentary being made that was trying to capture some of the local history, uh, over the years, both pre, um, development of the Sands Casino and afterwards I'm more than willing to share my perspective Uh, that perspective goes back uh, almost 55 years now uh, where I was um, born in 1964 and my family lived on a on 4th Street in in Southside Bethlehem on the second floor of Corpix department store in a two-bedroom apartment and um, my father had worked for the steel and then had become an entrepreneur owning a, a barroom. My mother was a homemaker. And uh, my brother uh, was born, he's 10 years older than me. He currently lives in uh, West Lafayette, Indiana as a professor at Purdue. My sister, uh, who's three years older than me, is, still lives in uh, the home that eventually my parents bought. Um, and she works at St. Luke's Hospital in Fountain Hill. And I, uh, despite having most of my career as an educator in school districts in neighboring Bucks and Montgomery County, currently serve and for the last nine years serve the Bethlehem Area School District. So I've been able to come home uh, professionally. I've always lived here. I never stopped living in, in Bethlehem because uh, uh, that's where my roots are. And I think that's where the trajectory of the things I like in life are. Uh, So uh, as a child, I remember uh, my upbringing. South Bethlehem was always a very noisy place, a very busy place. Obviously, the steel industry dominated uh, South Bethlehem and its related industries. Um, By the time I was of uh, age to be able to remember, the steel was starting in its decline. Um, I know back in the war years and in the 1950s, there were, you know, tens of thousands of workers in the corporation, including not only South Bethlehem, but many other plants all across the country. Um, and I, my grandparents lived on Polk Street, uh, which is right within two blocks of the blast furnaces. You can see them from there. The house is still there. And uh, it was such a busy and noisy place of South Bethlehem that if we were there, the train that would deliver ore or finished products to and from the steel would go right outside their backyard on the train tracks where the Greenway is now. Third um, Street and Fourth Street were busy, uh, not only choked with traffic of people going and to and from the offices and to the plant, but all the the related industries that were there. I remember being able to hear all the noise if I were uh, at my grandparents' house and the windows were open. I could hear the the pool balls breaking up at the pool hall. I could hear the I could hear the trains. I could hear the boom of when the blast furnaces uh, uh, kicked in. Uh, there was just a lot of uh, commotion and noise. Uh,
0: what did that uh, What that commotion and noise? What did that mean to you?
1: Uh, I was just normal. I remember uh, the first time I left Bethlehem and uh, was in, not, not permanently left it, but when I would visit, I had a childhood friend one time who was, his family was adopting a dog and the dog was out in Cherryville, which is a you know, pretty far out suburb of Allentown, very rural. And I remember going along with him to uh, see the dog for the first time and being out in Cherryville, I just couldn't comprehend of how quiet it was and how dark it was and how uh, there. I'm, I'm sure the people of Cherryville are wonderful and it's a great place to live. But as as, as far as what I was used to, it was a. It, it could have been like living on the moon. So it was it was normal. Um, uh, everybody uh, in my family, uh, what pretty much was from Bethlehem, both sides, both my mother and my father's side. Uh, uh, their homes were within close proximity of the Bethlehem steel, so uh, I didn't I didn't know any different, and I wasn't thinking any different. And that house, ironically, I uh, uh, long after both my uh, grandparents died, they I kept looking at that house, and the house has sort of been in the epicenter of the changes, uh, going from a declining steel industry to really not a whole lot of anything going on to uh, renovation of the, uh, of, or the reclamation of the, uh, steel plant and arts quest and then eventually into, uh, uh, the entertainment industry down there with Sands. So it's sort of a fixed star in the universe that I always remember, whether it's in the, in the living room or the bedroom with the windows open and hearing uh, the noise and sounds of the south side. Or uh, what it means today uh, on on uh, a place that I see on the way of going to uh, the places for entertainment and, and culture in South Bethlehem. I went to uh, uh, when I was uh, found Hill Elementary School and then I went to Brockle Middle School. Back then it was Brockle Junior High School, which is in the heart of the South Side. Uh, then I went to Liberty High School. uh graduated in 1982. Uh, The South Side uh, had not only... My life was the school during the nine months of school year, and then at night and on the weekends, the boys club on 4th Street. I was a boys club kid, so we had uh, the the adults there that were concerned about us, just like we had the adults at school. And then in the summertime, it was pretty much the pool and the playground, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., and over and over again until school started. So I was able to have and enjoy all the, the – the what I would consider the best aspects of community uh, that Bethlehem had to offer uh, at that time. Uh, so much so that uh, I think my career as an educator and as a school leader in Bethlehem were somewhat directed at that point, And there's a lot of paying it forward right now in my current role.
0: With, um, with your upbringing and just being around – all of these, these icons that you mentioned, um, Brockles has since been renovated, so it's not the same building. What does it mean for you to drive around South Side or walk around Southside and see all of these places that have um, this resonance for mm-hmm. you, um, but now it's disconnected from you know, that, that noise and commotion mm-hmm. that you were used to as a mm-hmm. child?
1: Well, you have to remember when I when I graduated from high school, the unemployment rate in the Lehigh Valley was thirteen point three percent, and the advice that uh, graduates my age were getting is, you know, you might not want to bet on Bethlehem very much in terms of um, you know careers and and a uh, way of life. Uh, even uh, some of the more idyllic scenes in Bethlehem, like the Moravian Mile and Main Street in the early 70s mid 70s even up even before this is all pre music fest were sort of you know a little uh, had seen their better days uh so when the when the north side i think it was music fest and to a degree lehigh investing in the community with more uh community involvement and public events but when that started, uh, it really was a a change into something that I was not familiar with. I was familiar with decline of the South Side as a child and as a young adult. Uh, But it wasn't until, you know, my 20s, -20s, mid-20s, late-20s when we saw the upswing of it. So it was with tremendous pride. If you would have asked me as a graduating high school student if I would be spending my Friday and Saturday nights as an adult in South Bethlehem, I would have told you not likely because there was really nothing there for us. But with each addition, with the infrastructure changes, with the uh, uh, entertainment venues coming in, the expanded investment in the community by Lehigh University, eventually the Sands Casino and all the other things that you see now uh, from the restaurants to the uh, mixed residential and commercial centers being built, uh, the expanded footprint into the, into the area by St. Luke's. Uh, the South side really hadn't seen a level of growth like that since the halcyon days of the Bethlehem Steel when it was, when it was a, a very prosperous organization. So it's, it's with great pride that I see that. I like, I uh, you know, I, I, I was always proud that I, uh, was from Bethlehem and a uh, Southsider. Uh, proud of Fountain Hill and all the uh, time uh, of the early years in my life, but you know, you just sort of realize that uh, the cool stuff in in the Lehigh Valley in, uh, are, were just not going to be found in South Bethlehem prior to uh, a lot of the investment that happened post music fest and then uh, post economic development in the region.
0: So, what what were those? What was that cool stuff that you couldn't find here before?
1: well there was uh, I mean everyone celebrated the opening of the Lehigh Valley Mall uh there was the Westgate mall there was the south mall i mean s- the storefront shopping was uh, had basically fallen out of favor and so uh, you were looking for your entertainment uh, and your shopping at the mall or um you know, through school or through universities, but definitely not a vibrant, uh, South Bethlehem community. I mean, there were, there were, the library was good. The, there were communities. Uh, I was blessed by having, uh, community organizations. So there were always summer festivals. There were always church picnics. There were always extended family events. So I don't want to paint too gloomy a picture. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm uh, that was always a, a very sustaining and, and a great thing. And, uh, and Bethlehem being also a very diverse and inclusive city was always a, a real point of pride. So I was never not proud of Bethlehem, but it was just, well, economic development or the, or the, uh, the, the most advanced things of economic development were just weren't part of the reality. Uh, but then when it did, it was like, okay, well, I'm glad I'm here. That's why, that's why I wanted to be here because from the first attempts at, um, uh, reclaiming that brownfield, which was basically an industrial wasteland left by the Bethlehem Steel when the plant closed for a good many years. That was just there. And many people thought, well, is that going to be there forever? Like, what, is ever, is it ever going to be able to be turned into something? And would, would there be enough investment or enough interest, uh, for people to want to do that? And I think through, you know, uh, I, I give a lot of credit to the city government, uh, of, uh local uh, organizations the, uh, the residents of Bethlehem to to imagine a situation where that industrial wasteland didn't have to be the destiny of the south side and they thought big and 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 built anew
0: so you you had an interesting point there about you didn't know if you were going to stay but then when the investment came in you were you were glad that you had stayed mm-hmm. and i just spoke with somebody who was um, who used to be employed as a dealer at the casino mm-hmm. And he talked about some some players would be reluctant to walk away from a table if a certain bet hadn't paid off a side bet that the house would be running. Mm. so there's like a, a risk reward factor going in there. Do you feel like you've taken a you took a risk by sticking around in Bethlehem throughout the the times where there was some economic downturn? I wouldn't say it was risk. I mean, most.
1: You know, most people in their uh, mid-50s as they – who are now in their mid-50s, my age, who had graduated college did not think of starting their uh, lives uh, with uh, homes and, and buying property in South Bethlehem. They just didn't. Um, we did. We um, It's not because I was trying to make a statement in anything. It's just that I I had always liked it and I wanted my own children to have the opportunity to live in a a sort of a more urban than a a rural environment. But yeah, I mean, there uh, there were thoughts of the suburbs, no doubt about it. But in the end, there was always enough uh, family and enough um, uh, tradition and, and cultural pull. Uh, that kept me from leaving, and I'm glad I did because I know, uh, there are some, and, and uh, don't get me wrong, uh, the, the suburban life is wonderful and has all of the benefits there, and there's certainly, uh, downsides of a more an urban environment, but I, I've seen over the years more and more people saying, you know, it would be sort of neat to, uh, to be in a, in a more urban environment. Uh, and Bethlehem has done a good job at making that a little easier, uh, with infrastructure, uh, uh, not a whole lot of crime, or you know, as far as living with worrying about crime and um, uh, ongoing economic development. So no, uh, it never it never occurred to me beyond just what any any normal person would think of of where to live. Um, uh, urban versus suburban, but it was my own personal circumstances, my family, and the affinity I had for the area that kept me here.
0: I think that uh, your first point about the family being really important to you, (laughs) um, that's something that I think a lot of of Bethlehem residents are starting to lose a little bit, Mm -hmm. or they had lost in the past, where a family would move away, or they would take buyouts to go to the suburbs when development was happening. Mm -hmm. And... That more than any sort of specific loss of property, it just se- seemed like the loss of people sometimes was the the bigger tragedy than the loss of the space.
1: Yeah, I did see all the, not all, uh, a good number of my classmates who I went to uh, Brockle with and Liberty with, a good number still live in Bethlehem and you know followed a similar path as me, but I would say a majority of them um for their own decision making either moved out of Bethlehem into the more suburban ring um uh, or um just out of the Lehigh Valley entirely so but uh, ironically the uh, closest friends that i had from kindergarten i still see every, you know all all the time and they both live in Bethlehem so maybe that was part of it uh, not just my own personal view but my closest friends hung around as well and so there might have been some uh, security in in maintaining those friendships and and, uh, and and selecting bethlehem as my home
0: i think for folks my age um i'm in my 30s we we can't imagine just with with the way the economy is structured now we can't imagine being in one town for the rest of our lives just because mm-hmm. of the nature of work mm-hmm. these days. And I feel as if that that sort of one town one industry or like you you grow up, you live, you know, where you were where you were born and raised, I feel like that's not mm-hmm. that's unique now and that used to be the normal right? Mm-hmm. The because of the na- nature of economies and mm-hmm. jobs mm-hmm. and work. I don't, you know, I I don't see how that's feasible now yeah it, it in a way, that's a lost uh,
1: a lost joy, I think, because I know in my current position in the school district that I uh, work with families all the time, both uh, families of students and families of teachers and and uh, staff members, and uh, being able to say, Hey, you know? Oh, I I know you. I know your brother. Or I—that's uh, a Bethlehem name. I know that. Or you're from Sixth Street. Oh, did you live next to the Corpus? You know, it's being able to connect, I find that Bethlehem has a higher degree of uh, being able to instantly connect to your roots in the in uh, almost sometimes at a neighborhood level more than other places, and um, I think that's one thing that. Helps me in my current position is that I do uh, have a similar cultural experience to a lot of the parents and grandparents and in some ways even the students of understanding, you know, how uh, Bethlehem has transformed itself. And it's sort of the unique character that exists in its DNA as far as a city. So, um I get it uh, that the modern economy uh, does require families, uh, people striking out to uh, to make careers for themselves, have to move around a lot and uh, and uh, you know experience new areas and new diff- the types of industry. But in a way, being able to have stayed and to have the city change around me uh, accomplished the same end.
0: So changing gears a little bit, and you mentioned that you obviously work with the community and you work with students and with parents mm-hmm. a lot. What has been your impression of how these folks feel about the town that they live in and about, you know, an identity that they may have connected mm-hmm. to it? Do you see some overlap with yeah. how you feel about it? Or yeah. are there are there um, new folks coming into the community yeah. that, that don't have the idea of this history? And it it's this really interesting thing. I feel like everybody who lives in Bethlehem is an amateur historian in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. They're, they feel really in touch with what came before them. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine that that's not true across the board. It's very true. Um, maybe not with
1: everyone entirely across the board. But there is a common understanding among people who live in Bethlehem, whether they've lived here forever or they've – recent additions, that uh, Bethlehem is a can-do town. I mean, it's can-do. Um, and I think that transcends its school district, its business community. I mean, if you're a kid growing up in Bethlehem, you definitely hear the religion. You know, uh Bethlehem uh, won World War One, or won World War II. If it hadn't been for the steel industry and the work that was done in our plant, we would definitely have lost civilization. Uh, you definitely hear that uh, without Bethlehem Steel, the bridges and skyscrapers and roads that we all uh, take for granted would never have been as good. Um, yeah. So that that's just in the DNA. We just don't have a music festival. We have the country's biggest music festival. We So there is a degree of sw- – uh, like I call it swagger in uh, Bethlehem that is definitely <clears throat> there as far as can do, you know. The same community, the same families that uh, created the uh, the benefits of the steel industry are the same families in many cases uh, who who built Music Fest, who are there with the newest entrepreneurial thinking that's connecting universities, and they're the same they're the same families that have people uh, at St. Luke's Hospital and the growing network of things that are going there. So. Um, you know it's really can do. We don't wa- uh, Bethlehem folks don't wallow in uh, you know, you, you take your, you take your lumps and there are some and everyone takes them. But the prevailing attitude is we can and
0: should be able to do
1: big things.
0: For you, what was one of the <laughs> toughest changes to see in the sort of progression of Bethlehem's transindustrial moment? Which isn't really mm-hmm. a moment; it's an yeah. ongoing process. It
1: would have been the hardest time that I remember seeing in Bethlehem was really were the years <laughs> around uh, my years in high school and immediately after. So it would be like the mid, you know, mid seven, late mid to late seventies, very early eighties, where you know, year after year after year, you just heard declining. Uh, employment, uh shuttering of the steel, then the office workers began losing their jobs. Uh, you knew third and fourth Street in Bethlehem at one time were shopping meccas, and now all the the you know, they were all boarded up storefronts or secondhand stores and, <clears throat> and uh, so you know you you had these uh icons uh, that you knew were once, uh, the standard for progress that now had been sort of like, you know, time passed them by. But I'm glad, I'm really glad, though, that uh, Bethlehem kept a sense of itself. And it may have been easy at one point to say, well, the steel industry let us down or so many people who left, lost their pensions or whatever and tear down the blast furnaces or like try to expunge the uh, ide- the identity of uh, blue collarness from Bethlehem. And that would have been a mistake because uh, I heard Mayor Callahan one time refer to the five blast furnaces as that's Bethlehem's Mount Rushmore. You know, that that that's that – we look at that. That's important to us. Uh, so being able to reconcile the future with those icons of the past and really validate them and know that those were really important, like – when ArtsQuest uh, built their building and they painted the steel beams orange, everybody knew that that's a nod to the Golden Gate Bridge, which was built with Bethlehem steel and was painted orange. You know, so there's, there's enough collective identity, enough collective memory that those things go a long way. So when, uh, when Jerry Seinfeld was in Bethlehem and he, and he said, uh, in Bethlehem, they think rust is art. You know, we 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 clapped at that. And we thought, you know, yeah, that is that is part of it, and and reconverting it into something that is uh, 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 embracing change and embracing uh, a new and better way of life. I think that that's part of Bethlehem's can-do attitude.
0: I also see there's um there's some if you just think about the physical space of mm-hmm. the steel and just the acreage that it takes up. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a way to go with figuring out how to use that space, how to reclaim it, how to um, how to clean it. Um, and we, you know, the, the blast furnaces are actually relatively. That's that's the shock, the thing that I always have to remind myself: the blast furnaces are just such a small percentage mm-hmm. of the the real estate mm-hmm. that that industry took up in the city. What what would you, as a, a Southside resident, um you know how would you like to see that space used mm-hmm. what's it, it's important mm-hmm. it sounds like it's important to you to have that monument there the blast furnaces mm-hmm. as a as a reminder mm-hmm. but what else what else might be able to happen yeah. there
1: um i'd like to see that mixed uh commercial uh residential entertainment approach continue i mean it can't just become overrun with just being all entertainment you don't want to be a a drive-in drive-out type of place where you know you go for Friday and Saturday night you have a lot of uh you know but you 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 like to play there but you never want to live there you don't want that <laughs> and yet uh you know, i think people know the limits of strict bedroom communities where there is not a whole lot to do and it's not very walkable and so you want to have that as well so you want to have a nice balance of those and something that supports a local economy as a school district person, obviously, you want your share of business growth so that uh, there's less uh, pressure on local property owners to pay property taxes. Uh, definitely, you want uh, employment, more people working, uh, obviously contributes to, to the social good. Uh, so I think a, a mixed uh, commercial residential or arts community and uh, with an education community moravian college and northampton community college and lehigh are assets to have in a in a city like there are parts of this country that look at bethlehem and they think it's just a college town because they know the colleges mm-hmm. there are people who think that well it's just a rust belt town because all they remember is well really when you look at it a lot closer it's all of those things and has all of those components and i'd like to uh, like to see that—that uh, that would, I think, be the best or ser- serve us as we continue.
0: Also, thinking a little bit about space, we've—we've um, we've got the—the the date for Martin Tower now. That was, mm-hmm. I think, reported today. What does the dem- the impending demolition of that mean to you versus the um, sort of continued resonance of the blast yeah. furnaces?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, I don't think there's the same cultural affection for Martin Tower as there is for the steel plant, only because um, I think Martin Tower is (laughs) – maybe I'm showing my uh, blue-collar roots here and uh, sounding more like my uh, ancestors, but – for some uh, martin tower sort of resembles the corporate excess and the extension of bethlehem steel beyond the plant and uh you know not necessarily the the work that was done in the plant that actually made the made the company successful and and made the steel that built the country so just in a in just like a cultural sense uh i think uh, there are more steel workers than there were steel executives so i think that uh, uh that there's just not as much sentiment for Martin Tower. Now, given that you know, you, I feel about that uh, reclamation of the Martin Tower area the same way I f- feel about the reclamation of the uh, of the original plant. You know, something is better than nothing, and if something there is is positive in the direction and the identity of Bethlehem, and I don't know those um, development plans as specifically as, as as you know the developers have probably presented them. But I know looking at Martin Tower for the last 10, 15 years with you know nothing going on there is the same feeling that you used to get when you would drive by the steel plant in mm-hmm. the late 70s and early 80s and see nothing going on there. And uh, good things happened when uh, the page was turned and development took place. So that's generally how I feel about it with Martin Tower. But I don't have the same cultural connection to Martin Tower, I think. Uh, or uh, many uh, children and grandchildren of steel workers probably don't feel that as much. Uh, uh, we're glad it ex- existed when it did, but I think it's ready for the next
0: page. It's um really good to hear the that reminder so the thing that I forget when I think about s- steel steel's decline and the and the entertainment industry coming into Bethlehem is that you know, something is better than nothing, and just the fact that for a lot of people there was just nothing here mm-hmm. during during that time, and that's that's this part of the story that um, that I seem to to be you know that I, that I forget, and every time I'm reminded of it, I have to go back and think like there's literally there was literally right. compared nothing, to what yeah, yeah compared to what mm-hmm. you know, and uh, my point of view I'm always hypercritical of quote-unquote gentrification mm-hmm. because that that's a, a a word that has a lot of connotations to it but um, when people say yeah there's 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 pros and cons to it but when you look at the alternative sometimes mm-hmm. the alternative sometimes is nothing mm-hmm. or a brownfield in perpetuity in the center
1: of your city yeah so uh and, and i i would say i uh can cast a doubting eye on gentrification and uh, working in our school district, I definitely understand the impact that families uh, experience when rents go up and landlords um, uh, can make more money by uh, selling or raising rents to new customers that uh, populations that have lived there for years can't afford. And that creates a greater uh, mobility in your population, at, uh, which then, um, doesn't help student achievement it doesn't help workforce development so you know the stability and the and the inclusiveness of the development and uh, the the benefits of what diversity bring can really um, uh, be put at risk by uh, gentrification if it isn't planned very well uh, so uh, I, I agree I, I i don't want people to think that well you know if it's if it makes money, it's gonna it's a good thing, and if it doesn't, it's a bad. That's you know that that would be a little bit of an oversimplification. But if you can have planned, positive, inclusive growth, that's the that would be the ideal. I think that's what everybody's looking for. Uh, it doesn't mean that uh, there isn't gentrification going on. There certainly is, uh, but there are some ways of addressing that other than not having any progress at all. I think that the same energy, this is where probably where I'm an educator comes out, the same energy that goes into economic development should go into educational development too. So that, okay, if uh, if, if workforce development is important, uh, let's put the resources in into uh, those institutions, schools, training, vocational, technical school, apprenticeships, training programs, so that... Uh, you have the workforce, and you have the, the community that can live there and be stable there, and build upon the community. And there's a lot of that. There is a lot of that going on right now. So, um, yes, um, there was really. I don't want to leave the impression that there was nothing. I, I grew. Up, I came of age as a young man at, at a time where it was in between. Sort of like in between empires. You know, the, the industrial success of Bethlehem that everybody knows about and is well-known. well, well known. And the current, you know, Bethlehem is sort of a very livable city with a mixed economy, good government, good schools, that kind of thing. But there was a transition period between those. And, you know, waiting that out took a leap of faith. And I'm glad uh, that that transition period didn't forget the best things that Bethlehem had always had in its identity, um, but I'm also glad that it didn't, uh, you know, just genuflect to the oldest traditions for the sake of just having them without thinking of what possibly could come next
0: for the benefit of citizens. So we're, I think, we're about to enter another transition period here with the with the sale of the sands to a new mm-hmm. um, new owner, and thinking about your term, positive planned growth. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think are are some of your hopes for a new owner coming in here? Because the original debates about um, allowing gaming and awarding a license, there were some concessions, it seemed, like extracted from the then owners. You know, learn, learning what uh, the Bethlehem community has from going through this process once, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you would hope would happen in kind of the the sale that's going on now.
1: Yes. Um, That it could maintain and and even expand um, that vision of what uh, was created when SANS first came in uh, as far as a commitment to the history, the economic development, the workforce development, the infrastructure, um, and understanding the way of life. I I remember very clearly when the issue was – Would Sands be a good partner? Would could the Christmas City and and a casino live together? uh, When that that was 15 years ago, I guess. And those were really legitimate, excellent conversations to have. I mean, the record of communities that are built on gaming, you know, it's not a very good record. You know, I uh you, know, you look at atlantic city or other places that didn't really do plan positive development and they relied on gaming it didn't it didn't it didn't always pan out so i understood that and you know uh, would have shared some of those uh, thoughts on the other side uh you needed capital you needed a business plan large enough to be able to have a real effect on an industry or a lost industry in a city that uh, was not going to be able to change itself, uh, and and I'm talking about when uh, this uh, Bethlehem steel left and its related industries left. So it was a tough call. Uh, overall, I think um, you know you were worried about the crime that gambling might bring in. You were worried about you know drugs and traffic and you know, seediness and all that stuff. But in large part, that has not happened. And uh, to Sands' credit, they were a good partner. Now, as a school district person, I do know that a lot of that infrastructure work and a lot of the investment was made possible by tax incremental financing, where the school district uh, forwent or foregone property taxes on those uh, on that industry so that the infrastructure could be built. And gradually, over a 10-year period of that financing, the district eventually then got all of the of that uh, uh, private property onto the tax-bearing uh, part as a tax-bearing parcel. Uh, future development, you know, I think there's some risk involved that businesses have to take on uh, to develop there. I don't think you can. I, for instance, I wouldn't be in favor of tax incremental financing for a football stadium or or things that you know uh, have great risk and have great return, guaranteed return already for uh, the people who own them. But if it was really a, a case of do you uh, do some creative financing so that something can happen, that I think that was a, a good investment. So what – what I would hope is that now that the ball is rolling, uh, economic development, uh, the social development of the area can happen as natural course without a whole lot of uh, special intervention uh, by by government or by uh, tax forgiveness by school districts and that uh, just the the skill of the entrepreneur is what uh, makes the uh, makes the investment worth it in South Bethlehem. And from what I'm getting, uh, uh, we haven't had a whole lot of conversation with the new owner, Wind Creek, I guess. Is, but from uh, my understanding and conversation with some city officials, they seem to be committed to uh, the direction that SAND sort of set out when there was the, uh, uh, the, develop- the first development of it. I do think we need some more uh, – uh, commercial, uh, rateable as they call it in the, in the, in the tax world. Industries down there that pay taxes that can contribute to the infrastructure and contribute to the, uh, city services and the school district that, uh, the, the community that support that, that. That's very important to us. Uh, so we're not, we're not, uh, we're not from nowhere any longer. We're, we're building from something that's successful. And I'd like to uh, see the, uh, the windfalls that befall a community because of that success happen uh, for for the kids and for the, the people who live in the community uh, that are dependent upon the support of government. I'm optimistic. I think Bethlehem folks are always optimistic by nature. Uh, they think they can build it. Uh, if it's broken, it can get fixed. Uh, you build it to last. You know, it uh, – it's 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 you know, you can make it bigger and better if you really wanted to uh when we were in the school district considering our uh our new logo and our new tagline you know it was pretty clear that we were going to give a nod to our industrial heritage and so we we say built by bethlehem so the 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 word built means a lot here and the uh, the little logo, the logo has a little gear in it which you know whether that is a nod to STEM education in the future or uh, the cogs on those giant machines that built the steel in the past, we know that that means something to us. So we are a community of builders who tend to uh, to be pretty resilient. I've heard the word gritty, uh, uh, who think that tomorrow can and should be better than it is today. And I have done a pretty, I think a pretty good job of making sure that that, that reaches out to to. To most people, or to all people, not that there isn't room for improvement, though.
0: Thinking about the the branding that the school district chose, do you think Bethlehem as a community would ever completely shed the identity of this, the blue collar steel worker and take on like artifacts of the casino for their branding or right. for their identity? My,
1: not in my life. I, I I can't imagine that happening. I mean, I know um, when. People come into the school district business office to pay their property taxes. There's still a lot of people who like to pay in person, and they come in and they see the new logo or they see the sign. And I occasionally have a, a, a time to a make small talk with them as they're on their way in. They, lo- they they still have that feeling. They still they like that. They see the logo. They they appreciate it because they know that it's a it's a recognition of them. I always try to then ask them where they grew up, and then they, they know where the streets are. And I would say every other every other person, it's not hard to make a connection to somebody who they knew, uh, either a relative or a friend or a coworker. So Bethlehem is a city, but it's really a really big, big town, really. Yeah. Uh, and it has that quality but it's not, a, it's not Philadelphia. It's not Pittsburgh. It has still sort of the, 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 the sense of a, a community of neighborhoods with an identity that it, that it wants to hold on to.
0: Today's episode of The Gamble was produced by me, Kevin Kerner. Claire Silva and Jessica Munn provided community outreach and support. Our theme music is by D.T. Walker, who is also producing a full-length soundtrack for our film, Betting on Bethlehem. Caroline Kelleher, Carrie Moffitt, and Delaney McCaffrey lead our filmmaking team. The Gamble was recorded at Lehigh University in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Want to find out more about the film? Follow us on social media. Search for the handle at BetOnBethlehem. Thanks for listening.